Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing why we've stopped worrying about terrorism. Nick, I'm not worried about terrorism anymore, no? No, you don't hear about it anymore. Do you remember when that was a thing? Mm. Terrorism. Mm. Yeah, for ages people wrote about terrorism and extremism and why this was a big problem and why should we get away. And um, uh, apparently, COVID these apparently, days. apparently it's all, it's all pandemics now. It's all, all we worry about is, mm. is the pandemic. Now, it, so this made me think, well, you know, there's only a certain amount of um, space on the front page of a newspaper. Yeah. So it's something's got to be there and it's going to be the top thing. But, it also feels to me like there's a certain amount of time that we have to worry about things as well, and that, and and it just made me wonder time whether or, or not space both okay. some sort of combination like, but basically that we, uh, yeah, there's only a certain amount of anxiety yeah. which we have, and when some new thing comes along to replace what was there before, um, it, it feels like well, instead of being perhaps more worried, we're just worrying about you know a different thing, but but also. Um, you know, could can we actually lessen the amount of things there are to worry about? There'll always be things on the front page. Will there always be things on the front page of our brains that we worry about? Is there some kind of conservation law that means that, you know, our level of anxiety doesn't go down? It just changes into anxiety about different things. OK, let's dive straight in. Um, I mean, immediately this makes me think of when I was a kid in the 80s, there were two things I worried about a lot. Um, one was uh, the IRA. Um, was Northern Ireland because that was you know really in the thick of it back then that was on our TV screens all the time that was the first thing the second one was the Cold War um, I thought the Soviet Union or, nu- or nuclear holocaust would sort of kick off at any moment and I remember I think it was when there was a, a plane got shot down over Korea does that sound right um, and, Flight 007 I think yeah. yeah and I was convinced I, I think I went to bed crying because I thought well this is it yeah. the world is going to end um, but and again maybe something I've talked about war before which is this sort of baseline of of humans will just tend towards a certain level of worrying worrying anyway and so i i forget what it was i think it was um in a book about experience i think who are the people who often write those big tomes about the second world war those british historians um uh, robert conquest uh, no. the um Anthony Beaver. Anthony Beaver, that's what I'm right. thinking of. I think it was one of his, and, it was, and if it not him, it was by an author similar to him, where it drew upon diaries of individuals at the time, and it wrote, and, and, and there was a diary of this woman who was besieged in Leningrad, um, and another woman in sort of um, suburban uh, uh, Cheshire, let's say. And the one in Cheshire was just going, oh God, I'm having such a bad war, we just can't mm. get eggs, and you know, this is just, I'm having a really tough time here. And the one in Leningrad is saying, well, I haven't eaten for five days and the neighbours have eaten their kids. Yeah. Um, and, you know... But it's not all bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. M- yeah. Mustn't crumble. <laughs> yeah. But we just kind of revert to a kind of a base level of dissatisfaction, no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, Peter? Yeah, well, I think you've, the, you've hit the nail on the head. There's some good psychology studies which suggest that people are just have a natural level of unhappiness or happiness that their circumstances don't affect much. You take them out and plonk them somewhere else that makes them richer or more famous or whatever all the things that they wanted. Eventually, once they kind of reach equilibrium again, they're just as unhappy as they were when they started. Mm. Um, uh, but the, the but anxiety, I think, is is considered to be a sort of 
like a developed world problem. You know, it's probably partly because in in parts of the world we have don't have good healthcare that it's not recorded as much. But um, you have people who live in the US and UK and Europe who really haven't got very much to worry about because if if, if worst comes to worst, the state will provide um, most of the things you need. So you're not, you're not going to sort of starve to death, but um, people still develop a, sort of general anxiety disorder and can't can't sort of see the wood for the trees. You know, I, I mean, I, I I can talk with some authority because I have suffered from this, and I think mm. it's important that uh, I'm open and transparent about sort of. What do you mean, uh, anxiety? Yeah, about okay. with anxiety, and uh, it, it I, I had no reason to be anxious, but it, you you just you you kind of you kind of develop this problem. Um, you can easily develop this problem, but it, but there are treatments out there and ways to help, which uh, which is which is good. Um, uh, but to go back to sort of next point, I think there's a there's certainly like a way. I think there's a cap. So there's a cap in in generally in society. Uh, take any group of people, and they they've got busy lives, they've got children, they've got work and everything. They there is only a certain capacity for cognitive throughput within that group. So you can see that being providing an upper limit on what we have to worry about so we used to worry about terrorism and then covid came along now that's been pushed out in fa- in favor of covid so mm. um that that would provide like a maximum throughput of worry capacity mm. um whether or not it's there's an sort of irreducible amount that's interesting and i think that i think there probably is going back to this the, the psychology of of unhappiness of, that you have a sort of pre-programmed level of happiness or unhappiness um, and you will find things to worry about that sati- that makes that sort of satisfies that limit, that um, lower limit. So so far we we've sort of gone off in a direction where we're talking about it, and that's because you know what I said, talking about it on an in, on a kind of individual basis. Um, and I guess we could still all individually be worrying about something that's um, a corporate experience um, or communal. But um, yeah, let's sort of get big again. Well, um, I, I looked at some data about just trying to measure these things. So we've got <clears throat> prob all kinds of methodological issues to worry about here okay which is very hard to measure absolute level of worry right you can look at what people say when you say can you rate your life satisfaction but you don't know over time whether or not people are kind of using mentally the same scale you know it could be that when people answered that in the 1950s they were just using a different baseline and perhaps you know would have said a two whereas today we might say a three or four um that said uh you know we there's obviously even then i mean it doesn't come with units you just have to look at you know people uh, roughly how anxious are you you could look at you can look at measures of mental health but again that's heavily affected by diagnosis you know and, and our willingness to diagnose certain kinds of disorders um and and then of course relative worry well that's quite easy to measure you ask people what they're worrying about the most and i've got some quite good data about that but of course it doesn't tell you whether or not overall the thing they're worrying about the most is more more or less scary than the thing they they uh, you know they were worrying about five years ago mm. um and uh, so and and then i think you know there's a question of, well let's look at the things that people worry about and ask whether or not they're moving in the right sort of way to test the theory which is you know is it rational like do we worry does our do our worries go up and down in response to real world threats or are they driven by something else and 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 or do they more or less stay the same and just change you know but anyway looking at average anxiety measured by you know how anxious are you kind of questions uh it's declined over the last certainly over the last 10 years um what people say yeah 
Okay. So I was surprised as well. Even in just it's 10 just kind, years? Yeah, so so people used to say 3.1-ish, and now they say something more like 3. Mm. It's gone down a bit. Suicide rate has declined over the last, last 30, 30 years, from okay. about 20 per 100,000 in the UK to something more like close to 15. Mm. Um, another, so that's a, another sign of some kind of you know increase in uh, well-being in, in a way. Average life satisfaction has has improved in the UK over the last six years. You ask people how satisfied they are. Uh, it improved most in London, in fact. Um, so it's gone up by about five percent over the last six years. Um, so so you know it looks like or you you take those measures. You think well, it looks kind of like things are getting better, right? But hmm. very prevalent, right? Persistent phenomenon for um, you know ever since this has been measured. Which is everyone still thinks things are getting worse. Yeah. So if you look at what is your country in the, heading in the right direction or on the wrong wrong track, um, for for years now, about two thirds of people have said it's going the wrong. Things are going wrong. So um, it's like we kind of uh, everything's getting better over time, but we think it's getting worse. Uh, that's so. It's that's a difficult picture to try. Quick and shout sort out of to a previous off. podcast. I think it was called "You've Never Had It So Good." Yeah, yeah. We did. I think we did. <laughs> yeah. We did cover that. You know, is is life unbearably good these days? Um, you look at what what people worry about um, and uh, how it's changed over time. Ipsos Mori do a do a very good uh, data set. It's incredibly hard to act to use because it's all presented in really annoying tables but um basically it's looking at what are the sort of top the what's the most important issue facing britain today and they've been asking that for several decades and um no prizes for guessing what the most recent answers have been um so availability on. of flour yeah <laughs> certainly around here it's not just any flour but spelt flour to yeah, make those spelt granary all. flour yeah, yeah exactly really? Wow. No, um, no. It's, so it's COVID-19, <laughs> okay. uh, apparently. But, um, but you can, you know, if you look over time over the last sort of since, since the 90s, big news, 90s, everyone was writing about the NHS and hospitals. That was the kind of number one issue. Then um, in the mid sort of noughties, late, well, late noughties onwards, it became economy. In between, crime uh, sort of was something that um, a sizable percentage of people growing number of people throughout the sort of 90s and 2000s said was a big issue and then in about 2008 people worried about crime really precipitously declined mm. uh, by a factor of something like one one it's got about a quarter of the number of people say it's one of the most important issues compared to um you know just sort of 12 years ago mm. um and uh, economy then fell away in sort of 2013, 2014 and, and was replaced by immigration being the big issue. Yeah. Um, so so it really does come and go. It comes and goes quite strikingly what it is that people worry about. So what I wanted to know is, you know, does does the worry about um, crime, for example, which is fairly measurable, track actual crime? And the interesting thing is that it doesn't really. In fact, if anything... It, it, there's a story you could tell looking at the data that it does. So, sorry, you're saying there's no correlation between how much people. I'm not worry saying about there's no crime. correlation. I'm saying interestingly, um, it, it, the as crime was going up during the 90s, yeah, reaching a peak in about 1995, yeah, uh, worry about crime was going up too, yeah, right. But then crime has really declined a lot since the mid 90s. Yeah. It's fallen by at least a half. Uh, the crime rate in the UK. Okay. Um, but worry about crime kept going up 
yeah. kept going up and up and up until um, about 2008, and that's when it started. So the peak of crime came about 10 to 15 years before the peak of worrying about crime. And I wonder if that indicates something interesting. I mean, you know, worries about the economy mm. uh, took off in 2008, obviously, but then persisted um, for, you know, at least five or six years before, you know, the economy has stopped being something that people worry about now. We could be talking about trauma here, right? Well, that's what I don't know. Is it, Are people worried about things that have happened? for long you know does does that concern basically persist for quite a while until something new comes along um i mean looking look you, you know so yeah I, I it's what i'm saying is that you can see why these things go up and down but it's certainly the things we worry about don't move in a way that is you know very predictive of what's actually happening i mean there could be a few things going on here it could be i mean if we're talking about crime for example it could be talking about what kind of crime you know, just for, just to say maybe white collar crime is just going way down, but actually other kinds of crime like mugging, for example, yeah, anti-social are going up. Type. Yeah. yeah, yeah, could be that. Well, that's not true. I could mean, the, be the press m- could more be... or less all categories of crime. Okay, um, um, Peter, uh, uh, the, there's an interesting new-ish, fairly new discipline um, which I'd not heard of previously uh, called cognitive economics, which might be a, a set of science which can they shed some light on on this and so traditional economics sounds right up your street by the way you yeah, guys, yeah. But, so yeah. traditional economics is concerned with modeling the world and assumes that people are sort of maximizing their own utility and sort of i.e getting the most amount of money whereas cognitive economics tries to bridge the gap between traditional economics and, it, and it's, it's it's capacity to model and predict what happens in the world um with the cognitive psych, the, the psychology of how people actually work, mm. so it brings into in, into uh, consideration things like um, rather than maximizing your overall utility, you're also trying to maximize your happiness, um, and trying to but you're not doing so on a long term basis. You're very, you're very much kind of in the moment, so it's rather um, it's sort of very local maximization of of happiness. Um, most of the time mm. but so but provides ways of modeling longer term happiness in the fact that you can imagine what your what your sort of consider what your what you'll be like in the future if you make a certain decision now which i think is, this is a, this is a very alfe topic mm. because it, it's sort of measuring hard things and and analyzing mm. hard things um but the it is it, 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 i've i've not done much reading on it, it it's it, it's it, it, it's possibly tainted by a lot of the same things that uh, sociology ha- problems that sociology has that it's difficult to measure and therefore sort of somewhat unfalsifiable in many cases but as a discipline it, it introduces an interesting uh, uh concept that we that kind of aligns with a way that we like to think about the world so you've heard of system one and system two types no, of thinking yes. i think we have covered it in the podcast previously okay. but, um so system one thinking is your emotional reactive um uh, primeval brain telling you to do certain things right. so that's the thing that's that's me that's yeah. the that's you yeah. yeah you you in 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 yeah uh, i never heard i I, know, I can see what's coming with system two but i'm not gonna understand system one's the thing that makes you eat the biscuit right yeah all right um and hang the consequences yeah system two it's system two is the logical part of the brain, the reasoned part of the brain that yeah. allows you to take into account historical data and all the things that you've read and learnt, and it's the thing that lets you do maths 
it's the thing that sort of it's the sort of higher mind. It's a mystery like. to me, this, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah and that's Aleph Insight. So <laughs> yeah. we are the system two to yeah, your system yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, but so cognitive economics brings in uh, an idea of system three. Oh. Okay. Which is which is a sort of which is uh, you could you could think of it as like the emotional decision making or the imagination decision making rather. Mm. Um, so this is this is you like decided do I want to eat this biscuit? Um, system one is saying yeah for God's sake eat that biscuit. You've got we've got to survive. I must have the biscuit now. System three allows you to imagine how happy you'll be if you eat mm. the biscuit and how happy you'll be in the future if you don't eat the biscuit and you lose a stone. Mm. And that 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 helps you think about your program, but it's it's much more emotion, it's much more sort of imaginary driven than the logic than the sort of if I don't eat this biscuit, then I won't I won't take on those calories and I won't get sure. that. Okay, um, where does that leave us? Well, <clears throat> I just wanted to just say a couple of things. I don't know about cognitive economics, but obviously I do know about normal economics, and um, normal economics is not is I mean you, the concept of utility is supposed to represent. Uh, you know your overall satisfaction it's not it's not how much money you've got it is like your kind of the thing you want out of life utility in economics more or less just stands for the thing you're trying to achieve so when when we say people try to maximize utility it's almost true tautologically people try to uh, try to achieve the things they want to try to achieve um however it's a much messier concept than most economics text textbooks sort of present i mean you learn the basics you learn the kind of you treat it as a number that people have in their heads that they're trying to make go up um but it isn't like that is it i mean the things the way that people make decisions about things is is um not uh you know is not <clears throat> we're not very good at assessing how happy we are and people's recollections of how happy they are don't don't accord with their instantaneous mm. um, judgments about those things. Um, so, I mean, I suppose all of that means in the context of this sort of talking about whether or not we worry about the right things. Um, and and my and I think that the, the the answer is well, actually, should we expect people to worry about right things, or are we are we bad at, at forming judgments about what things are? genuinely scary like do we worry about the wrong things do we worry about things too much so for example i think i would say the ira uh the ira were way scarier than you know the modern day sort of is islamist terrorists mm. um in terms of the frequency of attacks and the number of people they killed per year and that kind of thing um you know the the uh islamist terrorists in the uk over the last 15 years have have had a sort of annual they've killed on average you know three or four people a, mm. a year and all of that is just that you know basically one major incident uh in the uk um but I don't think I think I think it's probably fair to say that the amount of worry they caused was probably about the same. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, so and, and I think the, the you know, there have been studies, obviously studies done. Guy Garenza did a study after 2001 looking at people's travel behavior in the US and <clears throat> concluded that more people have been killed on in road accidents um, through avoiding flying than, uh, you know, that um the, than on 9 11 yeah, yeah, itself. Yeah, than on 9 11 itself. This is the second 9 11 you're talking about. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, you know, so we know that people don't necessarily make those sort of rational decisions about, uh, about you know, taking into account actual risks and actual um, sort of the potential harms people are exposed to. Um, but but at the same time, there is a logic to it. There is a lot, you know, things do, it makes sense that people should worry about the economy after 2008. 
I think the question is, and, and, you know, it makes sense that people should have been worrying about crime more when crime's higher. And that's more or less true. And and obviously now people are worried about pan, pandemics. That makes I So I think there is a kind of, we are sort of getting it right. The question is, I, I would say that the kinds of things we worry about are probably the right things. Mm. But the amount we worry about them. I'm not sure if we've got any way to meaningfully compare it. But, I mean, certainly during the 1980s, like, if you were worrying about things in proportion to how risky they were, we should have been 50 times more worried then about nuclear war Mm. than we are about anything put together now, you know? Um, So, but we can't. Our our, our sort of anxiety scale just isn't wide enough to accommodate that. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually surprisingly close to getting towards the end. Not quite there. Um, that being the case, there is a question or two I want to ask. But before I do, um, anything you want to pick up? Anything you want to? Um, just a sort of practical uh, note on how to help manage one's own worrying. Brilliant. Uh, so there's a there's a well uh, a well sort of regarded uh, cognitive behavioural therapy technique for if you think you're suffering from worrying, or if you've been if you've if you're being diagnosed as being anxious, something that can help you mm. uh, would might be to sh- schedule your worry time. Ooh, um, and that so if you so it relies on being able to distinguish in your own mind between useful thinking and worrying. And yeah. Thinking is thinking is a useful pro- process of making progress on a problem through thought, mm. and worrying in this context is not being able to progress things. You're just sort of ruminating and going over the yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, the sort of slightly counterintuitive um, method is to set aside 15 minutes to half an hour a day in your diary dedicated to worry time. And that's when you can just go nuts and worry about everything that worries you. <laughs> do you like, do you lie on the floor and shout and wave your arms? <laughs> However, around? whatever technique works for you. But the point is, wondering you, why you do the that, point yeah. is you allow yourself to do it. Yeah. Um, and if you find yourself worrying about something during the day, the, the trick is to write it down in, on a piece of paper or in a notebook or in your diary and park it and say, I'm not going to worry about that now. I'll do that later. And just the, that, process, that active process of managing what you're thinking about re- becomes a sort of self-reinforcing mm. and then you find yourself being able to limit the amount of time you're worrying about things. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um, okay. Are we happy for me to go to my questions? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, think, I think the problem here, though, just to summarise... Is that the data tell us quite a messy story? I don't think it's very clear. I th- but I think I think it's you know the, some big things that we can conclude is that yes, there probably is. Basically, the anxiety is sort of basically fixed. Now, there's evidence that it goes up and down a bit, but the amount it goes up and down is simply not nowhere near big enough to accommodate how much things actually are good or bad. And um, you know we we probably expect it to change far more than it does, and and you know it's it is probably much more a factor of you than it is the things you think you're worried about, uh, in general. Yeah. So there we are. Okay. That will be my conclusion. Um, but yes, I think we can expect people to worry about pandemics for a while, mm. and then uh, and then I think something will come along yeah. and we'll forget all about. Them I, I'd like a, I'd like a global risk register website somewhere that tells me all the base rates of all the bad things that could happen to me and sort of suggest an allotted amount of time per day I should spend worrying about things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically everyone should spend their time worrying about coronary heart disease uh, mm. and that's it, really. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's because uh, everything else p- pales into insignificance. Yeah. 
Well, and in fact, there you go. Uh, Aleph Insights can create that website and everyone go there and put their worries and yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um, well, look, yeah. I've got an idea. I mean, I'm, I'm worried ask... about who's going to pay for it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's sort of... Um, I want to ask you how much you worry about certain things mm. on a scale of one to ten. Okay. Um, zero should be not at all. Really. So let, let's let's. So okay, what zero? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's start off with um, how much do you worry about your battery running out? Two. Two. Okay. Nick. Well, if it's not running up, running out, not at all. If it's nearly running out, that's quite stressful. If it's totally run out, that's fine again. Okay, situation, and I'll, and I'll and I'll adjust my score. Yeah, you're going out for the day. Yeah, and you're leaving the house, and your phone is charged. At that point, how much do you worry that your phone will run out by the end of the day? Not much. zero, because yeah. I can turn it off when it's getting low. Yeah, I'd say two. Um, how much do you worry about uh, global pandemics, Nick? Well, zero. Yeah. Peter? I'd say three or four, because I think, you know, we've had a big one and there's a good chance we'll get another one that's more serious. Yeah. For me, I say zero. Um, yeah. Right I mean, or wrong, that's how much yeah, I do worry yeah, about. Yeah, that's right. What about being late? How much do you worry about that? If let's say you are late, how worried are you about being late? And let's say it's for something reasonably important. Oh, I hate being late. So I'd say, I'd say... I'd say a six because most people are pretty forgiving, but yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the most stressful situations yeah. I can be in. Can't stand it. Seven, eight. I'm super paranoid. I could always turn up at airports like two hours before I need to and stuff. So I'm that horrible mixture where I do worry about it a lot, but I do nothing to yeah. mitigate it. Yeah, bad. Um, so mine's about a five or a six or up to an eight. Um, only a couple more. Climate change, uh, Nick. I think I ver I can get very stressed about stressed about it sometimes when you re- read a story like all of the insects are dying. Yeah. Or you know the coral the great coral reef has as as you know been bleached you, and you sort of think oh god what you know it's like the world is closing in on you and mm. being destroyed before your very eyes. Um, but most of the time, honestly, it's sort of more or less a zero or a one. Yeah. But with but with sort of occasional peaks up to sort of seven or eight. Yeah. Okay, Peter. I'd say there's a back, background low level, constantly worrying about it to about a two. Yeah, but we have to say that sort of thing because we live in North London. Yeah, <laughs> you should be saying like eight or nine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I think it's one of those things that between veers between zero and ten. But I think it's just that helplessness of it as well, right? Um, yeah. Do you want uh, one more? Do you want one more? Yeah, go on. Is it saying the wrong thing on Twitter? Because that's I think that's that's something which uh, you know is scary. Stay away from Twitter. Well, yeah. So, yeah. What about your kids? You're about to have a kid. Um, how much do you worry about your kids? Oh, that's that's definitely that's high. That yeah. Constant, constant kind of at least a five, peaking to sort of nine when I can't see one of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, none at the moment because it all feels completely unreal. Okay. What about? But you can combine these. How about your kid? You can't see your kid, but they're late and you've not heard from them. And they're going to London. And, your phone's and there's been a terrorist out. attack, and your phone's run out. I mean, oh, that's eleven. <laughs> eleven out of ten. <laughs> and it's and it's hotter today than it really yeah. should be. Um, yeah. All right. Look, I don't know if that led us anywhere, but um, I'm, look, I'm sure like the big one there we should all be worried about is probably climate change. I don't know. Um, or maybe we should just be worried on our grandkids. Yeah, um, but I think as we've discussed, you know, what you what we do worry about and what we should worry about probably diverge quite considerably. Exactly. So exactly all right okay um thank you as always for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast i'm fraser mcgrew we've been here with nick Hare and peter cockle of aleph insights until next time goodbye